And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is our fourth episode of NEC Football on the Run. It was a big weekend of NEC football, plenty to talk about, certainly. We'll go through the top stars, we'll chat about some stats, we'll preview the upcoming weekend, which shouldn't take long. There's only three games coming up this weekend, but two of them are huge conference games. And, of course, we'll chat with one of the biggest stars of this past week, Wagner Sr. Jr. Wiley. He'll be our guest here on this week's show. But first, let's take you back through the week that was with our top headlines. We start with the pick six. And we start with the big conference game from this past weekend, the second conference game of the year, the Wagner Seahawks in Fairfield to take on the Sacred Heart Pioneers. The Pioneers had won the previous four meetings. Now, the turning point of this game was actually the first score of the game, and that didn't come until about a quarter and a half in. We were scoreless midway through the second quarter. Sacred Heart quarterback Cade Fragula was having a rough day. Two of Sacred Heart previous four drives had ended in an interception. One of them was just a, a poor decision, a throw across his body towards the middle of the field that was picked off. The other was a tough luck deflection that went right into a Wagner defender's hand. So uh, Prabula struggling, two of four drives ending in a turnover. So Rob McCoy comes in at quarterback midway through the second quarter. Sacred Heart had first and 10 at their own 42. Sacred Heart trying to get something going with this change at quarterback. McCoy throws a pass over the middle, and what do you know, once again, it's a flex off his wide receiver and right into the hands of a Wagner defender. Wagner's junior Wiley, who then break, broke it out towards the near sideline, raced down, and for the last 20 yards or so, he had to tight, walk a tightrope. He tiptoed down that near sideline and somehow is able to stay in bounds and get into the end zone for the pick six touchdown. And that really, as we mentioned, was the turning point. Wagner would jump out to a 17-zip lead in the third before Sacred Heart would finally get on the scoreboard and try to come back. They got 10 points in the fourth quarter, but an onside kick attempt could not be successfully converted. Wagner would take over possession, and just when it looked like the Sacred Heart defense came through with a big stop, forcing Wagner to punt with some time left on the clock, Sacred Heart still with a glimmer of hope to try and go down the field and tie it, Sacred Heart roughed the punter. 15-yard penalty, automatic first down for Wagner, and that was the ball game. The Seahawks ran out the clock and came away with a 17-10 win, a huge victory for the Wagner Seahawks program that was 2-36 in their previous 38 games prior to Saturday. It was Wagner's first road win since 2018 at Robert Morris. And how about this? Wagner 1-0 in conference play for the first time since 2019. Head coach Tom Masella said that, you know, this is a different team. The culture is changing. And if you go on Wagner football social media, Coach Masella had a great locker room speech. He was wearing the big Wagner, the big hat, and he was giving the game ball to the entire team. And he said, guys, the culture's changing. It's because of you. We're starting to believe. And, man, there, there was plenty to believe for the Wagner Seahawks, especially on the defensive side. Justin Riley with 12 tackles, a sack, and an interception. Junior Wiley, today's guest, had that pick six. And the defense held Sacred Heart to two for 11 on third down and one for three on fourth down. The Wagner defense was incredible. And on the other side for Sacred Heart, look, the, the struggle continues at quarterback trying to replace Marquez McCray, Rob McCoy, 8 for 18 for 81 yards and a pick. Cade Prabula, 4 for 9, 29 yards and two picks. 
So Sacred Heart still has to figure that part out. Malik Grant, I mean, he, he he's doing Malik Grant things. 27 carries, 133 yards. Great game, but Sacred Heart could not overcome the turnovers, the miscues. They fall to 0-1 in NEC play for the first time since 2021. But guess what? 2021, they started 0-1. They came back to win the NEC championship. So still plenty of season left to go. Now, last week, we know Sacred Heart fell at Georgetown in a game that was stopped in the fourth quarter due to weather. This week, it was Stonehill traveling to the nation's capital for a non-conference test against the Hoyas. Stonehill coming off that big win in their NEC opener against Central Connecticut State. The teams were, I mean, this was a seesaw. They were trading touchdowns back and back and forth in the first half. Corbett had a rushing touchdown for Stonehill. Georgetown threw a touchdown pass. Corbett ran for another touchdown. Georgetown threw for another touchdown pass. The game was tied at 13 at the break. And then coming out of the break, they traded touchdown passes in the third quarter. Stonehill touchdown pass. Georgetown touchdown pass. But the game-winning points for the second week in a row were supplied by Stonehill kicker Perry Shelbred. Wasn't at the gun this time. Not, not at triple zeros. But with 5.57 left, a 30-yard field goal, Georgetown would get the football back. They would drive to the Stonehill 30 in the final seconds, but there was a block below the waist penalty. It pushed them back 15 yards. They took a sack as time expired, and Stonehill held on for an incredible win on the road, 23-20, perhaps a signature win for their program on the road in non-conference play in just their second year in D1. Jermaine Corbett just last week told us here on the show that he's going to finish with more touchdowns than Saquon Barkley. That's looking like a pretty good bet right now. He's up to five after two scores this week, another 100-yard rushing game. He had 29 carries for 131 yards. It was Stonehill's first ever win against the Patriot League. Skyhawks quarterback Asher Karaha went over 2,000 career yards during this game, the 10th Stonehill quarterback to reach that milestone. Stonehill won for the first time back-to-back -back road games as a Division I school. And how about Stonehill? 348 yards of offense against a team in Georgetown that was number one in all of FCS entering the week on defense. Big-time win for the Skyhawks. Now for story three, let's check in with the reigning defending NEC champion, the SFU Red Flash, who we know had it, were, were in for a tough task this weekend. They were back on the road against the Delaware Blue Hens, the team that ousted them from the FCS playoffs a year ago. And, you know, last year they got out to a slow start in that playoff game. Delaware had a touchdown, SFU had a three and out. Delaware had another touchdown. And before you could even blink, it was off to the races from there. This year, though, a little bit of a different story. St. Francis struck first. Cole Doyle, a four-yard touchdown pass to Casey McKinney to cap off a 15-play, 85-yard near nine-minute drive. Great strategy. If you're possessing the ball, that's less time that Delaware possesses the ball. So great job matriculating the ball down the field, taking their time, and paying it off with a touchdown. It was one of the best drives of the season for St. Francis and perhaps a little bit of a boost for them as they get ready to go into conference play. It gave them a 7-0 lead, but Delaware would then go on to score the next 42 unanswered and would go on to win 42-14. to But again, five SFU players finished with a half sack. Jalen Robertson led the way with the sack and a half. Last year, they only were able to muster 258 yards of offense. This year, 320 Cole Doyle, 118 pass yards, 46 rush yards. He continues to move the ball, the reigning offensive player of the year. So despite 
this this tough setback in this final non-conference test for F- SFU. Still plenty of positives as we look forward for the Red Flash heading into conference play next week. Story four, LIU. They were in Big 12 country down in Waco to take on Baylor. And uh, to make matters worse, they were at without their starting quarterback, Lucas Danzani, who went down due to injury a week ago. So the Sharks turned to Chris Howell, the freshman from Queens, making his first career start. He went four for 10, 41 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. He had an impressive 10 yard touchdown run in the second quarter to get LIU to within 16 to seven at the half. Now at the half, there was another two hour weather delay. I mean, bless the hearts of these LIU Sharks who had the lengthy delays last week. Now another two-hour weather delay this week. I mean, can you imagine you're in these cramped visiting locker? You're not even in your home locker room. You're in these cramped visiting locker rooms with about 80 guys for hours, two hours, two weeks in a row. I can't imagine that that scenario is that much fun. You know, we'll have to ask Wagner's Junior Wiley about that later. I mean, Wagner went through a lengthy weather delay last week. So we have to get to the bottom of what goes on in, in those locker rooms when you're in there with all those guys for like a couple hours. Don't worry. We'll get to the bottom of it coming up. But uh, Baylor came out of the delay on Saturday and outscored LIU 14-0 in the second half. They would go on to win 30-7. to Elsewhere, Central Connecticut State and Duquesne also fell to FBS opponents. Central 38 to 10 to Kent State and Duquesne, 66 to 7 to Coastal Carolina. That was the game we mentioned last week, was originally scheduled for 2020, never happened due to the pandemic. So tough, tough, tough day for Duquesne. Now, Kent State in their game with Central scored the first 38 points, Central the last 10. The Blue Devils, much like Sacred Heart, still working out some quarterback issues quarterback situation they split time in this game between matt jenner and ricky ortega on the other side for duquesne against coastal carolina the dukes put up 347 yards of offense but they fell behind early couldn't finish drives when they got their chances and took the defeat and finally elsewhere in the nec merrimack defeated virginia university of lynchburg 44 to zip Tyvon Edmonds Jr. rushing for 214 yards and a score. So the NEC standings through week three have Stonehill and Wagner tied atop the league at 1-0 in conference play. Duquesne and Merrimack are 1-2 overall yet to play their conference openers. LIU and SFU are 0-3 overall. They've yet to play their conference openers. And Central Connecticut State and Sacred Heart both 0-1 in the NEC. Time now for our top three stars of the week. And we start at number three. It's Merrimack running back Tyvon Edmonds Jr. Merrimack's game with VUL was very much a, you know, we're just going to out-physical these guys type game. Only six pass attempts for the Warriors the entire game. They just ran it down VUL's throats. Brandon Watts had a big day, 112 yards for two touchdowns. He's a great honorable mention at a 43-yarder that he broke free for a score. But it was Edmonds that was the lead bell cow. 30 carries, 213 yards, and a touchdown. The most rushing yards by a player in a single game so far this year. And by the way, Tom Edmonds Jr. leads the nation, averaging 146 rush yards per game. Our second star of the week, it's Wagner linebacker Junior Wiley. Wiley was the number two star last year when Wagner won their only game of the season against the Sharks. He had four tackles, a sack, and a 49-yard pick six in that game. Well, This year, in Wagner's win against Sacred Heart, he had five tackles and a 52-yard return for a touchdown. So no coincidence, when Wiley makes big plays, 
Wagner wins. And we'll talk with the NEC Defensive Player of the Week coming up in just a moment. But our number one star of the week for the second straight week, it's Stonehill running back Jermaine Corbett. Corbett rushed for over 100 yards for the sixth time in his career. For the second straight week, he finished with 29 carries, 131 yards, and two scores in Stonehill's victory over Georgetown. The senior from the Garden State is second in the NEC in rush yards, first in touchdowns. He's also fifth in the nation, averaging 126 yards per game and fourth nationally with five rushing touchdowns. Those are our top stars of the week. And it's time now to talk some Wagner defense as we welcome in junior Wiley as this week's special guest. And we're joined now by Wagner linebacker, junior Wiley from the undefeated in conference play Wagner Seahawks. I'm sure that sounds good. Junior. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, Wagner went on the road this past week, defeated Sacred Heart 17-10. to 10. Take me into the locker room. What was it like uh, coming off that big victory? Um, it was a good feeling. It was a really good feeling. Um, happy for the guys and, and for our school and happy we were able to get the job done. Now, you have to tell us the story of the big hat because we saw you and your coach, you know, you on the sidelines, your coach with this big hat. Uh, after, so how did that get started? Um, it started in the summer, actually, TJ, TJ Masella, who's our equipment guy and coach, coach, uh, coach Masella's son. Um, he had suggested to us an idea, um, for us to come up with it. And I don't think we actually came up with anything. So I think that's all that all the credit goes to TJ on that one. He came up with the big hat idea and we finally got it out and we got it on display against St. Francis. So, uh, props to TJ. Props to him. I mean, it's working. So, so keep, keep, keep doing it. Yeah, That's yeah. Good, good vibes. Good vibes. Now, before we get to your interception, I want to recognize, you know, before that play, the defense had already picked it off twice earlier in that game. So how, how was it that the defense was able to, to get these turnovers in bunches? Um, I think it, it just goes back to everybody just doing their job um, and having the, having the mentality of uh, not letting the guy next to you down. Um, so um, we just keep playing like that and having high effort uh, turnovers and the big half will be out more, I guess. <laughs> now, t- now take me through your play. What did you see? There was a deflection and you you had it. So when, when you got it off the deflection, did you know right away that you had a lane to the end zone? What what, what were you thinking in that moment? Uh, once I caught the ball, I just uh, seen the first dude to my outside and I, and I just wanted to set him up and make a miss. And then I seen an O-lineman in my peripheral and, uh, as a as a skill player, uh, it's a no no to get tackled by O lineman. So I just decided to outrun him, uh, ran a tight rope down the sideline, and just met my guys in the end zone. And that's the part I want to ask you about next. So in your life, have you ever had like any gymnastics or dancing class? Or because that walking the tight rope that was a thin line to walk, but you pulled it off nicely. So what do you credit that to? Um, I credit that to uh, my trainer back home in Hawaii. His name is uh, Sunil. Uh, the game changers is Instagram. Um, we do a lot of uh, training similar to Mark Marinovich and and uh, the Troy Palmalu type of training. So I credit that to him having my balance and my ankles, my knees, my kinetic chain all good. Yeah, no, that that was awesome. Um, so uh, separately from this game, I, I wanted to ask because you know your your team kind of had some weather delays last week that you had to go through against Navy and, you know, LIU had weather delays now two weeks in a row. So for people that aren't in the locker room, what's that like sitting in there for two hours with all these people? Like, so what, what do you do in there? Uh, it's kind of anxious, just waiting. I mean, in the beginning it, it, it was anxious and then 
in the middle of the game, it was just kind of like still trying to stay locked in because we know we we knew that we had to go back out there and finish a football game. So uh, I, I for me, it was kind of anxious, just uh, just the butterflies in the beginning and then just having to refocus and stay locked in uh, when it was during the game. Are, 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 are you talking? Are you eating? Are you watching video? Or are you looking at YouTube? Like, what, what, so what, what are you, what's going on? Uh, just, just, uh, game time adjustments, uh, okay. what they're doing, um, and, and what we got to do to stop what they're doing. Um, yeah. And then just chilling with the guys, cruising with the guys and just enjoying each other's company and make sure we stay focused. All right. Now with, with this win over Sacred Heart, one to know in conference play coach said, you know, culture's changing. And we, we certainly have seen that uh, with that game on Saturday. So then now the question is, how do you keep that going this week against Merrimack, a team, you know, you guys had a bunch of picks. They haven't thrown a pick all year. So uh, what, what do you see coming ahead this weekend in that matchup with Merrimack? Um, Merrimack's a, a tough team, a tough opponent. Um, in order for us to get the job done, we're just going to have to uh, have high effort and uh, just just keep doing our job, our 111th, and uh, go out there and execute on Saturday. All right, it's time for the final five questions. These are rapid fire, so just give us the first thing that comes to mind, all right? Yes, sir. Let's do all it. Right. All right, first question, favorite color? Red. Not green? Nah, not red. <laughs> all right, I'll go red. Uh, so what was your favorite pick six, the one last year against LIU or the one this year against Sacred Heart? Um, I think I think this year against Sacred Heart, uh, just because uh, I made I made a guy miss and uh, ran the tight rope, so it was it was a little bit more harder, but I was able to get the job done. So, okay. Uh, on a cheat day, what's your favorite snack or junk food? Oh, I'm a I'm a cookies and brownies type of dude, and I okay. love ice cream. I love ice cream. Ooh, so okay. so it's, it's, it's cookies and ice cream or brownies and ice cream for me. Well, you put the cookies and brownies and the ice cream on top, so you have it all together, right? There you go. I'm, I'm going to do that <laughs> next time. <laughs> so it only, it only counts as one. It's one, one snack. Yeah. Um, if your teammates, to, uh, if we ask them to describe you using one word or adjective, what do you think they would use to describe you? Um, hardworking. Okay, that's a good one. And and finally, when when you think of home, what's what's your favorite thing about Hawaii that stands out? Uh, just the Aloha spirit, how we all how we all care for one another. Um, the people who are born and raised in Hawaii, we we really treat each other like family, and 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 it goes a lot a long way. We show each other love, and and that, that that that's what I've carried with me the most since I've been away from home. So, awesome. Well, congratulations on the big win on Saturday. Best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you. God is good. Give all the glory to God, and uh, see you guys on Saturday. Absolutely. Be sure to check out our full NEC football on the run show over on the NEC overtime pod available wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for stat chat. And we'll talk about junior Wiley. He recorded the 52 yard interception return for a touchdown Wagner's first defensive touchdown this season and not including the shortened two game pandemic season a couple of years ago Wiley's pick six on Saturday made this the seventh straight season that the Wagner defense has recorded at least one score going back to 2016 back in 2018 and last year the Wagner defense recorded as many as three defensive scores in a season Santoni Graham twice, Myron Morris twice, Sterling Lowry, Jordan Haven, Titus Leo, Luke Jakubowskis, Kobe Calvin, and now twice Junior Wiley. They're the Seahawks defenders who have found their way to the end zone. Seventh straight year for Wagner, minus the pandemic year. 
that the defense have scored touchdowns. That's the subjects of this week's stat chat. And finally, uh, only three games on the NEC schedule this week, but two of them are conference clashes. So here's what we have coming up on tap. Now, Sacred Heart, as we highlighted earlier, rough start to the season. Three games, three losses, two of them decided by a single score, and one of them they really didn't get to finish all the way through due to weather. So this week, they're going to try to turn things around against the reigning defending champion and the preseason favorite, the St. Francis Red Flash. So not an easy task. SFU, they're also 0-3. Their three losses, though, all by double figures to Western Michigan, Robert Morris, and this past week, Delaware. This will not only be SFU's conference opener, but also their home opener at DeGaulle Field. Last year, SFU defeated Sacred Heart big 44-14 with the red flash putting up 568 yards of total offense. Now, both teams have had their struggles, so we should start to get some answers to see if either of these two teams can bounce back and be the contenders they were forecasted to be in 2023. We'll see what happens when they meet on Saturday at noon on NEC Front Row. The second NEC game of the weekend will feature the Wagner Seahawks hosting the Merrimack Warriors at 4 p.m. from Hamline Field on NEC Front Row. Wagner will be trying to build on last week's win over Sacred Heart and start 2-0 in conference for the first time since 2016. They're taking on Merrimack, will be playing their conference opener. Remember last year, Merrimack got out to a 6-0 start in conference play. Merrimack currently one of 15 teams in the nation that have not thrown an interception this year with Gavin McCusker at the controls. And that's going to be a matchup to watch. That's going to be a streak that's tested. As we recently highlighted, the Wagner defense is good at forcing turnovers and scoring off those turnovers. So a team that doesn't have any interceptions versus a team that feasts on interceptions. <laughs> that certainly that will be a matchup to watch when these two get together on Saturday. And finally, Stonehill will look for three years for three wins in a row as they travel to Fordham to take on the Rams. Fordham entered this week the FCS coaches poll at number 22. It'll be a 1 p.m. kickoff from the Bronx on Saturday. We'll see if Stonehill's good fortunes can continue. That'll just about do it for this week's episode. Enjoy the games, everyone, this coming weekend, and we'll talk to you again back here next week for another brand new edition of NEC Football on the Run.